You ready? Welcome to the Success Code, where Roy Red provides interviews, discussions, strategies, and talks to help broaden your perspective on your road to cracking the Success Code. Success Code. Hi everybody, it's Rory, five-time best-selling author, public speaker, and your host of this show where we give positive advice on how to grow your business, how to grow your life with uh, everything going on so negative in the world. This is a positive place for you to come and get some perspective so you can move towards your goals. Today, I'm super excited about our guest, Taylor Elizabeth, aka The Elegance Advisor. We're going to dive into elegance how to build your brand with elegance, and how she was able to maneuver and master a niche. So, let's bring her in. Taylor, how are you? Thank you so much for joining. I know we were going back and forth for a while. My my laptop messed up, and but we finally got you on the show. You were highly requested by a lot of people. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. So, really quick, just tell everyone exactly what you do and a little bit about yourself and your story. Sure. So, so my name is Taylor Lewis. Mm-hmm. And I'm And I am. And I do is really grand Yeah. And I really struggled when I started my business because I was such an important part of my story, my history. A lot of international public relations around bridged a lot of gaps for me was and sensitivity and That's so awesome. So I actually had a friend of mine who was super excited about you coming on the show. And we were talking about etiquette. And we actually 
not didn't really get into an argument, but we got into a debate. And what she said was that it doesn't matter how much success you have, how much uh, money you have. If you don't have etiquette, none of that matters. And I wanted to get your outlook on that. How important is it to really have manners and know, uh, like my mentor says, act like you belong? How much does that really matter? And um, and maybe just connecting with people and, and, and in business or in relationships or just when you're connecting with pe- people, period. Sure. sure. So, so I think it matters. I think it is that, that I mean, it can attend to the elf in the room, or mm-hmm. it can attend to the like when you come more like, like, like person, person, or, 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 if, if you, you look at there's a best Welcome to the Success Code. We're Roy Red. So, so I would say it's very Okay. So I'm glad you said that because I then the conversation ventured off into more of etiquette and what really matters and things in that sort short. But um one thing about me is I was never really taught I was never really taught how to properly have any etiquette or manners because um, you know, just the basic stuff, you know, the stuff you learn in school and the stuff your parents kind of teach you. But I was able to learn how to connect with people just reading about psychology and certain books. And what you said about uh, good etiquette and good manners will open doors that education can't is so true because I didn't go to school and I don't have a college degree. You know, I learned how to read and all that stuff went to high school. But just Having basic manners and making my common sense my common practice um, has really opened up a lot of doors for me. So that rings so true for you, uh, for me as well. 
Um, I want to ask the question is, when you were getting into this niche and taking it over, because you've really taken it over, I don't see anybody else doing what you're doing, and um, it's an amazing thing you're doing, what problems did you run into starting your business? Uh, I know Seth Golden calls it the dip. He says that we all have a problem, a time when we dip and we don't know what what's going to happen where we just have to really struggle through it. Uh, tell us a story, your story of struggle or any story of struggle that you ever had and how were you able to maneuver and uh, sort through that? Sure. sure. I, I have, I have one, one that so I, I, I said, said I'm going to do this. This is something that, that I really want to do. And, and I, I really believe, believe that, that, that education is open and education cannot. I, I think it's important for everyone, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're doing. Little how am I going to do that? I don't know. With, with how, how am I going to do this? How relevant to people? Because, because I think you're an etiquette coach, coach and image control. In, in social, social settings, settings right? <laughs> I'm going to put down the hurdle. And I was like, how do you do that? people they should be serving through this information and the benefit of the information itself. I feel like there was a big disconnect that people were not going to consume it. They were not going to be interested in it the way it was being presented. So it's was like, how do I do it? And then the lockdown happened and I couldn't see any clients because in Dubai, we went in full lockdown for yeah. six weeks. And so we were at home. I was like, I, I wasn't ready to go online with my courses yet because yeah. I just didn't, I didn't, had no idea this was coming, right? Like nobody knew this was coming. Yeah. So I was like, what am I going to do? And I like froze on it. I just did not want to, I just like, I cannot do this. I don't feel comfortable. I'm a little bit, you know, out of my comfort zone. I have no problem talking to anybody or presenting to anyone, no issue, but recording myself. And then you, you open yourself up to a lot of 
judgment and you have to do a lot of reassessment and a lot of reevaluation. I thought, am I, am I up for this? Like, am I just going to let my business just freeze now and yeah. like not do anything? Am I not going to adapt to this? And so then I said to myself, you know what? I'm just going to do it because I have to do it. And I want this. And like, I know that this is my purpose and my passion. I just need to figure out how I'm going to get it out there now and I, how I can really translate this better. And so I almost stopped like everything and everything almost stopped for me in March of this year. And then I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to do it. And I'm hoping, and even if I can help one person, I see this, this topic as a really essential life skill, or I can answer some questions for them, then, okay, my purpose is met that way. And like when I'm sure that the business will follow because the passion and the purpose and the direction is there, it will follow. Yeah. I just have to have faith and I have to kind of take my ego and put it aside a little bit and deal yeah. with the fact that, yeah, I'm probably going to get some more criticism. I'll put myself yeah. out there. It is what it is, but yeah. I got to do it. And, and I just did it, but I sat in it for a while. I'm not yeah. going to lie. I sat, I did not, I let it, I let it weigh on me. I didn't just go for it, which is unusual for my personality. Usually I am like, I make a decision and that's it. And I go, and I don't, I don't go back and forth on it. I'm not indecisive by, by nature. This mm -hmm. one I really struggled with. And then it, then it turned out and it's been very rewarding. I have to say, this has probably been the most rewarding piece for me because the interaction I have with the members of the elegance advisor community and the feedback I'm getting. And like, I feel like, okay, I'm really making an impact, not just on my clients, but on people that maybe would never have even heard of me or have been able to hear the help that I'm offering. So that was something I struggled with. Yeah. You know, I was really wondering, cause you know, I'm uh, interviewing multiple people as I'm growing my brand and growing my audience. Now I'm starting to interview some uh, really um, higher influential people like yourself. And I'm like, she really grew this really big audience on elegance. And my my assistant Tiffany, who's watching right now, um, the comments were popping up. But she was like, she hit me up. Oh my god, Roy, you have to interview her, please. I want to know so much, and I love her. And then I was just like thinking, how did Taylor reach these people? How did you? get this traffic and this lead and these leads was it just social media was it just obviously your messaging is a message that resonates that's one thing i do with business owners when i work with them is we try to figure out a message and a usp for their market that resonates and your message resonates to where they feel like this is for me and so how did you bring in that traffic and bring in those leads was it just consistency what was it that really did it for you? What was the distinction that really helped your business? Okay, so I mean, as as you know, I know as well because you're on you're on Instagram. It's Instagram is a little bit of. I mean, I know there are things you can do. There's the logarithm. Mm -hmm. There's the different things you have to be consistent. You have to at this time. You have to do all these yeah. different things. And I was doing all of those things again, mm -hmm. lockdown. So I have my family here that I was taking care of, but otherwise I was not seeing clients. So I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go hard at it. And I'm going to go, do, I'm going to do this yeah. and focus on it. I would say the consistency is definitely a big part of it. Mm -hmm. I would say also, um, the messaging and I, I actually engage with the followers. So when they write to me, the members of the elegance advisor community, they give me a lot of advice on what they want to see and what they want to hear. And so I have my strategy and my ideas of what I want to talk about and what I think is relevant. And then I get their ideas and their feedback. And if I start seeing it, like, you know, not just even, maybe sometimes one time, because I get some amazing ideas from my followers, amazing ideas I would never have thought of because my mindset and where I am is not going to be where 
the, you know, 34,000 members of the community are like, I don't have the same mindset as them. I don't have the same mindset as anyone else. You know, they see it from a different perspective Mm -hmm. and I can, I learn and grow from that. And they give me wonderful ideas. And I check my own strategy and my own ideas Mm -hmm. against what they're giving me and the feedback that I'm giving and the ideas that I'm getting. And also just also in, as I've now been able to leave the house, (laughs) when you're out in public too, I see things a little differently because now I, I, you know, it's like, Nothing that you read or you experience or you witness, it doesn't just go in one ear or through your eyes and then out. It doesn't just leave you. It sticks with you. It impacts you. It affects your filter a little bit. So now when I'm out and experiencing things, maybe before I wouldn't have a sensitivity to something that I witnessed. But now I think about it in a different perspective, like, oh, you know what? That actually reminds me of this. Or I think my community would really love to hear from that, from this perspective. And that actually just gave me a wonderful idea. So I think really my advice for social media, because that's basically where it came from. And then from social media, it's grown quite a bit um, here in the UAE and in India, actually quite a big following from people that are from India and the Philippines now, which is amazing. And I'm so, 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 and the Philippines is incredible because the times when I do my lives and a lot of my posts, it's like the middle of the night for them. So that's really impressive to me that they're watching. But for me, it was really like, just check yourself. Like you have a strategy. You, you need to be committed to that strategy. You need to have faith in like what you're doing. And you didn't do it just, you know, by pulling numbers or doing random things. You had a plan there. But yeah. then I check it always against what I'm getting as feedback. Because the great thing about the Elegance Advisor community, which I love so much, is I love how engaged the members are in creating and sustaining the community. Not just me providing the content, but them providing the direction mm-hmm. and then providing the feedback and then providing comments and you know giving me like ideas. And it's like a living thing. Like this community mm-hmm. has become, you know, it's it's a living entity that way. It's not just um, you know, people like a photo and they just like, you know, they make a comment, oh that looks so nice. That they're actually yeah. they're investing their time in this too. You know, so this is how it's working like in a holistic way. So I would say that's what it is. And as a result, I think that's why it's grown so much. Yeah. So quickly. Man, that's that's amazing. And you know, I'm kind of for just lack of better terms, jealous of your audience. Cause like with me, I am the typical ADD entrepreneur where I'm in different niches. I work with athletes with mental performance. I work with mm-hmm. kids. I just speak just imp- inspirational and motivational. I also work with business owners. And so I have many different hats and I have ADD. I don't know how to stick to one thing. And so my, a lot of my followers are just different things. So my engagement goes up and down and all around and stuff like that. And so I just want people to really pay attention to Taylor and how she mastered a niche. That's why I named it How to Master a Niche, because it is my consideration and I see a vision of the future where the middle class will be millionaire and you will only need a solid audience of a hundred people to really just believe in what you're teaching and your niche and they'll buy your stuff and really support you and you can make a solid living off a hundred people online or more or less. And so I just really believe that it's going to go back to Babylon where you master something and you can reach anybody online. If And if you just be yourself like Taylor does, they will find you and they will they will love you. They will connect with you and they will pay you and you can live a life doing what you love and doing what you do. Uh, we got yeah. Tiffany here. Tiffany said, uh, are you going to write a book? 
Hi, Tiffany. <laughs> yes, I am. Actually, I'm in the process of writing a book right now. So thank you so much for actually, Roy and I spoke about this a little mm -hmm. bit. And I'm going to for sure pick his brain on this since he's the expert by far on this topic. But I um, yes, I am actually in the process right. of it. I have it. I have it outlined. I have the first chapter actually done. So awesome. I'm working on that right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I really and I think, you know, speaking so much to just what Roy said, I definitely think just to, you know, follow up on that incredible comment that you made, mm -hmm. it's really important that whatever you do decide, and I mean, Roy knows this more than anything, and his story is amazing, is that you, you need to love and be authentic in what you're doing. Like you need to love and be authentic in what you're doing. People are going to see through that um, if it's not the case, you know, and I absolutely, I get so much energy from doing this because again like i said i sat on this topic i didn't know what i was doing i just i really i really let my fear get in the way which i'm mm -hmm. a little disappointed in myself to be honest because yeah. that's really not my thing normally you know and i i let i let my fear get in the way of it and it was like no like because I, I couldn't find my i felt like i couldn't figure out how to give it often give an authentic vibe to this you know i didn't know how to give my authentic self because yeah. i felt like the subject had elements of it that I loved and embraced and then the way it was presented wasn't authentic to me. So yeah. once I found that, that's really what that did it. So the book that I'm writing, which will be all about that, is actually all about that mindset and like how how to get into that kind of you know elegant mindset and things yeah. like that. So I'm really looking forward. So thank you, Tiffany. Yes, I'll be writing a book. And I have actually thinking about a book for children as well, because I do coach quite a few children. Yeah. I, I've uh, sessions for children as well. And I think it starts, it's never too early, never too late yeah. for, for etiquette. And I really think there's a, it's a way we teach our children too, because there needs to be, I mean, we think kids, you know, they're just going to take what we give them or yeah. hopefully they'll just take what we give them, but we need to actually make a value added for our kids as well. I mean, what's the value to them? They have a, there's a lot of competition right now with kids being distracted by this, this, and this, and this, and they're all, you know, I think we've figured this out from an education standpoint that we're all not going to learn the same way. And so we need to give them a reason to learn the value added and a method in which they're actually going to adopt that and accept this is so important. So thank you, Tiffany, for that question. So for everyone who just jumped on, we are talking to Taylor Elizabeth, the elegance advisor, and we're talking about her story, how she was able to master a niche in etiquette and teaching people how to be how to be proper at in different situations in life and it's something we all need like she said um your manners will open up more doors than your education does so if you just hopped in to uh the live please jump into chat on the right side if you're on youtube on the bottom if you're on facebook uh periscope we don't know where you jump in at we don't use that <laughs> but we're on there too and uh wherever else you see this uh, jump in and ask some questions. Um, so Taylor, before we kind of move on and uh, ask, you know, kind of the um, questions that we ask everyone, I wanted to ask, because I have a friend and every time I see him, not every time, I got to stop using hyperbole, but a lot of the times that I see him, when we first see each other, he doesn't say hi. And I will jump on him and be like, bro, how are you just going to see me and not say hi or what's up or something? And I'm like, you could have never came in my house when I was growing up. My mom would have chewed you a new one if you walked in her house and not acknowledged her. So I want to ask, is it rude? Is it proper etiquette to not say hi or introduce yourself when you see someone? Okay. So thank you for this question. Uh -huh. um, it is not polite to not acknowledge someone. Thank so you. 
Now, at this, it, and that I think is, I would have to say, I mean, I don't know every culture in the world. I did work on five different continents and I've never run into a situation in which there isn't any kind of acknowledgement of some sort. So whether or not, I mean, in certain cultures, I mean, he's, he's American, I'm assuming. Yes. But, um, okay. So in, in almost every culture, there's at least some kind of recognition, if it's not with words or eye contact, because in some cultures that's not acceptable, but if there's some kind of bowing or like recognition that somebody is in front of you mm-hmm. and it's, it's very polite. So when you are making introductions or you're seeing somebody for the first time, especially if you're trying to make a good first impression, and I talk about this a lot, when you, when you see someone to make an impression, now it may be the first one and maybe this friend that you've seen a million times, but if you want to make a good impression, you have seven seconds to do it because within seven seconds, somebody's assessing you and analyzing you, judging you, whatever, for nice. many different things. They could be judging you for who knows what, but it's all exterior and by yeah. body language. And it's that feel again. It's that vibe. Like I like this person or I don't like this person or this person's in a bad mood or a good mood, whatever. And yeah. like a big part of that is your body language, for yeah. sure. But another part is acknowledgement of the other person. It's showing respect. It's showing that you are giving them time and that you're giving them, you know, the the, the respect that you that they deserve by saying hello. So yes, definitely, when you see someone for the first time, even if it was just like a second ago. Mm-hmm. You should say hello. Another tip on that one is if somebody comes into a room, please acknowledge them. Better yeah. stand up and acknowledge them. That's actually that's even more polite, but please stand up and like acknowledge the person and say hello. Don't just like let them walk in as if they're not there because that's I mean, you can be sending a lot of negative messages with that one and you're so also not rude. It's so rude. <laughs> it's not polite, no. It's definitely not polite. And I notice that some people expect, and I do this, I will always introduce you if I'm going to bring you around people, but some people expect others to introduce themselves and then this weird thing happens and it doesn't happen. And then they're just standing around. They're like, who's this person? And it gets a little weird, but I wanted to ask a question. You said different cultures. You can't look people in the eye because I'm huge on looking people in the eye because especially with me knowing NLP and neuroscience and stuff like that. I can, I can look at your eyes. I can tell if you're lying. I can tell what you're thinking. I can tell how you're feeling because, you know, the brain needed a way to see the outside world. And a lot of people don't know, but your eyes are actually your brain that just needed mm-hmm. to see that. It popped out of your head because it wanted to see the outside world. So you can't hide anything uh, with your eyes. Uh, what cultures think that's rude? Okay, so it's it's actually a question of respect more uh-huh. than rude. So in cultures, and actually my father is an eye doctor, so he's always said that the eyes are the window to your soul yeah. and your health and everything else. So yeah. I totally get the eye thing and I'm with you 100%. Mm-hmm. We as Americans and even Western cultures, we have a different perspective on eye contact because it has been encouraged and it is part of showing respect. But in some Eastern cultures, it is especially if somebody is elderly or mm-hmm. if somebody is holding a higher position in society or a higher position in a company, it is actually rude uh, and disrespectful to look them straight in the eyes because you are challenging them and you are challenging their authority. So that's that's actually one culture. And then in certain cultures, depending on gender, it can be seen as not appropriate. And a woman, for example, may not feel comfortable looking a man in certain cultures in the eye or an older person in the eye because it, they've been taught to you know look down or because it's a, sh- it's a showing of in 2020 still 
Oh yes, yes. But because this is, it's not, this is not a, um, it's not, this is not a, I guess, a sexism thing or even ageism thing or anything like that. It is actually goes into, I mean, like hierarchy and culture, you know, yeah. and it's very strong. It's very strong. And it's just signs of respect. It's really, it's, it's really just signs of respect not to. However, as the world becomes smaller, and if you're working in an international environment or a mm -hmm. cosmopolitan environment, then yeah. people have learned to adjust to that. Now, when they go home, for example, Dubai is a wonderful place, by the way. If anybody yeah. has not visited Dubai, it's amazing. And as I'm just going to put a little plug in here for Dubai, because as an American, mm -hmm. I feel like whenever I go home, I get a lot of questions about Dubai. And they're really, they're not accurate at all in the sense of like what their framework and what they think of Dubai, right? So here, it is such a cosmopolitan, multicultural culture here. I mean, the, the blend is, and I love this because that's one thing about me is I like to be the only one that looks like me, has the same mindset as me. I like to grow that way. It's uncomfortable, but I really yeah. like it. That's where I've always been. I like to be uncomfortable because that means I'm growing and I'm learning something, you know? Yeah. So that being said, like here, I love it because I'll be in a meeting and there's like 15 different nationalities around and trying to find like common ground for communication and for, you know, having an effective meeting and what's polite or not polite. As you're more in that environment, I think things come to a neutral and the neutral at the moment seems to be like Western culture. So it seems to be like more, you can look people in the eye. People expect that, you know, you do certain things in meetings that are, um, I guess would be considered Western, if you will, in the way that you approach and you speak or you engage in a meeting. Like, for example, you respond in certain cultures, you're depending on your role it's in, in the company or your level. Maybe you don't respond because be responding would be considered undermining your boss or be disrespectful. Those are very culturally strong things. Now, when they go to their home country and they go back, yeah. They may not look their parents in the eye. They may not. And that may be, that's a cultural thing. Then they may look to their boss in the eye or somebody senior at the company here. But when they go home, they may not because it's a sign of respect. Yeah. They, it's like you have to balance the two worlds, you know? No, it's interesting because now that you say it, the respect thing, some people I do look in the eye and it's like communication is kind of like battle. It's kind of like war. Like who's the alpha? And I don't want it. Sometimes I don't break gaze with the eyes. And you know, my mentor uh, says something. He says, for some reason, God wired us all to be afraid of each other. And he said, pick your head up and look people in the eyes and you'll see that everyone's afraid of you. And if you do that and, you know, people watching, if you do that, just walk with your head up and look people in the eyes as you're walking down the street. They kind of do that hierarchy thing. They put their head down. And so... Now that you say that, it I can see how that's a respect thing because I look people dead in the eyes and my mom always taught me to, but sometimes it can be standoffish. You can feel that standoffish energy, even though um, obviously nothing bad happens, but I can yeah. I can totally feel that. Totally. There's also a lot. I mean, we have neurons in our brains that, you know, like when you yawn, somebody yawns like next to you, even though you're not tired. Yeah. Like some Mirror, okay, so mirror neurons. Exactly, exactly. So you know very well this. So yeah. I think you know when we somebody looks you in the eye and the energy is good and the yeah. body language that's going with it is supportive and it's good. Like it, you can you can feel that somebody looking you in the eye with a smile on their face and a leaning in engaged body language. 
you can hold that eye contact probably a little bit better because you're not feeling in, intimidated or threatened or whatever it is. Maybe that is a instinctual response.、Mm-hmm. You're not feeling any of those things. If somebody's coming at you with a more aggressive body language and like the face is like. You know, there's nothing going on with the face. It's just like a line across. There's no smile. There's no engagement. You're like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? And maybe your eyes, you know, they go away from you because they don't. You just feel uncomfortable because it's a normal response.、Mm-hmm. I do coach a lot of people on on eye contact. I do coach a lot of people who struggle with this, also children. And what I say with with eye contact is, it's really the first four seconds. That matter, and it doesn't even have to be. I mean, I know you. You've been your mom did a really great job raising you, so I'm totally not an issue for you whatsoever. But when you, if for people that are not used to it, cultural reasons, or they weren't raised that way, or whatever it is, like the thing is, you want to look somebody in the general vicinity of the face, like the eye area. They, you can't tell. They've actually done studies on this one. You actually cannot tell if you're looking in the eyes directly or not. You want to look like. In that area for the first four seconds, and then if you need to look down and then build it up like any skill, just build it up slowly, slowly, slowly. It'll become much more comfortable for people. I do give a lot of coaching on this because, again, depending on the culture you come from, it could be totally foreign for you. And、yeah. if I said this to some people, they'd be like, "That's so rude. I can't do that. Like, it's impossible for me." It's like rewiring. You have to really undo a lot of cultural impact as well as education, as well as experience, to kind of get people to think differently about eye contact. Yeah, yeah, so true. Um, um, people judge you in the first five seconds, and then after that, all they're doing is looking for the things that prove what they already judged about you in those first five seconds.、Uh, I read that somewhere.、Um, I'll give one of my tips.、Uh, I use eye contact to pick up ladies, and I just look. I look in their eyes and I smile, and I wait for a. Response via a smile or a look back, and I, sometimes I'll get nervous. Like, is he looking at me? And sometimes we'll catch eyes and smile, and then that's how I know to approach or not. So, that's that's a big one.、Uh, eye contact is big one. But now I'm gonna stop staring for <laughs> for long periods of time. Now that you said four seconds is what matters, I'm gonna just look for four seconds and see what happens.、Um, okay. <laughs> we have a question here. People are talented nowadays and got lots of interests and in possible niches. How do I know which niche is really for me? That's a tough question. That is a really tough one, but I really love it. Thank、uh-huh. you so much. Okay, I would say what what re- what resonates with you? You know, like what if, if you have if you know what those things are? Let's say because you said this this person asking has asked for like let's say they have a certain number of ones.、Mm-hmm. What is that that really resonates with you? Because I really think it, it, this is a marathon, right? Not a sprint. So you have to invest in this.、Yeah. This is going to take your time. This is going to take your energy. There are going to be days when you are not going to want to do it. There are days when you're like, "I'm over this. This is not like I remember my life before I got totally invested in whatever it is." And、yeah. you just are like, "I'm over this," even though you love it, but、yeah. you still get over it. If anything, and you, if you're not, if it's not something your your heart is really into, what you really love, two things are going to happen. You're going to want to give up on that. You're not going to be able to reach your full potential because in those moments where you want to quit. Because they're going to happen, and because you're in a marathon with this, not a sprint, you're going to want to leave it, and you may because that heart isn't keeping you there. And the、yeah. second thing is, you need to be authentic. Because again, if you want to really sell this, if you really want to convince people or bring people into a group or whatever it is you want to sell something, whatever it is,、mm-hmm. you really need to be authentic with it. And if it's not really what's driving you, if this is not really what your passion is, what you really think about, and I would not assess what that is. By how everybody else judges that, 
Only you need to judge that. You need to decide what that is. Obviously, you're going to have your sounding board. What that person, that, that one person that you really appreciate their opinion because they're going to give you a level-headed, honest opinion. Get yeah. their opinion on it. Give it a temper check. Like, okay, how, does, how do I feel against this? But I still love this. I still really want to do this yeah. regardless of what everybody else's judgment is. Then you need to go for that one because you're going to be invested in it. You're not going to give up on it. And you're going to come across as authentic because the authentic, authenticity of something is huge, especially now, which I'm actually really happy to see that because I feel like for a while on social media, it was like what was not authentic was going, you know, that was yeah. selling, right? And I'm like, and for me, I was like, okay, I, I cannot do that because I just, mm -hmm. whatever I am, this is it. And I just, I cannot do something other than this. I really, I'm terrible at it. I'm terrible yeah. at being somebody else. I can't even put on a fake thing. I can't even post photos of myself that yeah. I'm like, this, I don't feel here. This is not me here. I cannot do it. Even if it looks beautiful, even if it's like glamorous or whatever it is, it's like, that would be so awesome on Instagram. Yeah. I don't care if it's going to get me a million likes. I'm still not going to do it because it doesn't resonate with who I am and I, I just can't do it. So I'm happy to see the shift on Instagram and on social media is towards realness and authenticity versus being like this kind of fake like reality because that's I mean it's much more sustainable right this again this is a marathon so that would be my suggestion to that person to decide which one that's so awesome oh that's so good um yeah I don't know if you know who this is but there's a rapper out here he was actually murdered last year but everyone in LA loved him to death and his brand and his slogan was the marathon marathon continues the marathon continues because it really is a marathon and when you truly love something you'll do it for free that was one of the struggles i had for years and i don't know if you ever had that struggle is you gave i gave so much advice for free just because i would do it for free and i loved it and it actually felt weird to charge because i loved it but that's one way to know uh that you really want to do something and then authenticity is so clutch. I struggle with this with speakers because speakers are oftentimes, I coach people on speaking, how to build their speaking business as well as books, but they struggle on their speaking. They want to, they care about how they look. They care about what they're saying, their story. Um, a lot of times I feel like they want to practice their speeches too much. And at the end of the day, stop trying to be like Tony Robbins. Stop trying to be like Eric Thomas. Just be you. Tell your story. Talk to the audience like you're talking to your friends and just be authentic because people don't believe the message until they believe the messenger, like Brendan Burchard always says. So I love that. Uh, next question. How do you deal with backhanded compliments? What is a backhanded compliment? I hear that term all the time. Sure. A backhanded compliment is when somebody says something to you, but uh -huh. it is actually an insult. So, for example, um, a backhanded I do that to people. I'm sorry. <laughs> a backhanded comment. Listen, no, no one's perfect here. Nobody's perfect here. It's uh, it's whether or not we want to like change that or we want to keep on going with it. That's the question. Yeah. Yeah. So the um, a backhanded compliment would be like, for example somebody says oh you know yeah you look really nice today i usually don't like what you wear but today you look nice okay so that's a backhanded compliment because they clearly are insulting the way you look or they're like oh you know that skirt is great for hiding extra weight you know what i mean that kind mm -hmm. of a thing like we get these women we get these comments yes. quite a bit usually not the way that we look so can so i pause you real quick yeah. i'm going against guy code right now so i didn't know the word backhanded compliment i didn't know what that meant but now that you used it, I see the context. 
<sighs> Do you know who Neil Strauss is? No, not by name, no. So Neil Strauss is a super multi-million selling book author of a book called The Game. And okay. the game yeah, pick up mm-hmm. artists, how to pick up girls. And one of the one of their tools was called a neg. And a neg is a backhanded compliment that you give a girl because guys with their little egos, insecure, feel like they have to bring a girl down by giving them a backhanded compliment so that way they'll have the courage to talk to them. So like one thing guys would do is say something like uh, one of them in the book was he would have a piece of lint in his pocket and he would pull it out of his pocket and go to the girl's hair and go, hey, you had this this big old ball of lint in your hair. And she would go, oh my gosh. And it was just like a way to bring her down and start a conversation. And so guys, don't get mad at me, but I just broke guy code, but that's not right. And we shouldn't be doing that. Yes, I would advise against that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so how do you guys, how can you, how do you deal with it? So I just actually, I just did a live on this subject uh, last week. Yeah, last week. So it, basically, this is passive aggressive behavior. This is saying something, but not saying something. So it's trying to be aggressive in your behavior, but indirectly. So there's a couple different options. I, depending, if this is chronic behavior. So if this is something that is happening, like maybe a family member, or I don't know what, like a, somebody that you see a lot, and it just happens over and over again, then maybe you need to address it. But I would generally say, if somebody says something like that to you, mm-hmm. show them that you're the better person. So I know that this is like, oh, yeah, my mom's told me that like my entire life, right? Okay. But show them you're the better person, take the high road, because by doing that, you're not even acknowledging what they're trying to do. And it's like water, you know, off a duck's back, as we say, just let it run off. Because some whatever reason they're saying being nasty to you about it has so much more to do with them than it ever has to do with you. And if you don't even acknowledge that you're going to let that affect you in any way, shape or form. So if somebody said something like that to me, I would be like, oh, you know, thank you. So like, for example, the comment about the dress hiding the weight. So yeah. I would just be like, oh, yeah, thank you so much. No, I really love this one. I just think it's flattering on everyone and just let it go. Yeah. So you're kind of acknowledging the fact that they've said something, but you're not acknowledging that you're taking it as an insult and you're not even letting them play. You're not inviting them to play in this game with you. Yeah. You are above this. Game. That's the first thing. If this is chronic and this is going on more and more and more, you need to set some boundaries. So there's boundaries that need to be set with this, but you can, and this is what I always say, and I believe this fundamentally is you don't, you being polite is not being weak. People think that being using please and thank you is for some reason being weak. If you, you know, for example, that the whole sandwich theory where you're putting a request and sandwiching it with softer words or with please and thank you. I don't think so. I think it's much easier to be rude to somebody who's being rude to you. It is difficult and shows a lot more strength to continue to be polite and true to yourself as a polite and good person in the face of somebody being really nasty to you. So, yeah. but that being said, boundaries do need to be set if somebody is, because that's not healthy, constructive behavior or a good relationship if somebody is continually insulting you. So if that's the case, I would just acknowledge it and just say, oh, you know, I'm really, I really, you know, I'm really glad you like the outfit. You know, I, I like the way that I dress. You may not like the way that I dress, but I like the way that I dress. I'm glad you like this outfit. Maybe you'll like the next one. So you've put boundaries. You've yeah. put boundaries. You said thank you. You've acknowledged the fact that you know that they don't like your clothes, and that's fine that they don't like your clothes. They don't have to like your clothes, but you're not going to sit there and let that affect you or let their little comments, you know, 
continue because you want to reset the boundaries. If it's even more direct than that, you can actually ask them. Be like, you know, I acknowledge that, you know, you may not like something about me. Mm-hmm. It's been heard. I understand it. This is not constructive. I don't really want this kind of communication in my life. You know, thank you, but I don't want that. You know, you, you can still be polite in the way you say it. You don't have to use expletives. You don't have to use nasty words. You don't have to go on below the belt and attack them back. That's not mm-hmm. polite. You can still stick up for yourself, but be yeah. polite about it and show that you're above it. So that would be my suggestion. Yeah, that that's great. That helps me out a lot. Um, I don't have this problem as much, but I still get it. But when I first started on this path, I would like I remember I had my first book. Not, not even my first book, my second book. And I write two kind of books, the big book. I really do a big campaign, but then also do these little books that people can just read like 80 pages, 50, 30 pages. And they're just really good for consuming and getting the ideas really quick. And so someone who should, some people who shouldn't be named because they don't deserve a platform would say stuff like, uh, oh, here comes Roy, best-selling author of his 30-page book. And so that's like a backhanded compliment, right? And I would just, no, they would just say like, here comes Roy's author of a 30-page book that's not a book or something like that. And I'm really good at bantering like excellent at it just because of where I grew up and I would just be like uh, excuse me best-selling make sure you uh, get best-selling in there and stuff like that but I think that helps me out a lot to now just acknowledge and just know it it's more about them and not about me and um, mm-hmm. do what you said that's awesome all right we got through those questions everyone sorry we can't get to your questions we had a couple more questions and we got to let Taylor go we've been on here about 40 minutes um give us a quote you live by oh that is a good one yeah the quote that i live by the quote that I, well there's a couple if i can if i can just use two i'll use two mm-hmm. if you don't mind mm-hmm. so the first one that i live by is always be kind always be kind this is my mantra i say this every day i everything and then i say this a lot to people that no matter how beautiful you may be on the outside, no matter how much you have going on in your life, no matter how much success you have, if you are unattractive, if you are cruel, if you are mean, if you are unkind on the inside, then that's what you are. Because the rest of it, that does not what matters. It's what yeah. you are on the inside that matters. So that, that, those are the two things. And then that first one would be kind. I, uh, this, is my, this is my daily mantra, actually, always. Because that's the part of being elegant mindset is to frame everything you see from that kind of perspective, that kindness is the first thing and the rest of it will come. Everything will come from that, in my opinion. So awesome. So awesome. What is success to you? Um, Everyone has their different perspectives on what success is. What does success look like to you? Success for me, uh, it's well, multifaceted. I think Mm -hmm. personally, my success is having healthy loving relationships with the people that I value in my life. My, yeah. my husband, my daughter, my stepchildren, yeah. uh, my parents, my sister, all my nieces and nephews, things like this. This, this is what really matters to me. And then I would say, and then my friends, obviously, and my, my dear friends and some of my friends that are my family as a result of us just you know having so many wonderful life experiences together. Uh, I would say professionally, it's when, you're, you know, it's when your passion meets your purpose. That's what success is for me. I, it's like, it's almost like tied up in a bow, you know, like I think 
everybody can evaluate that differently. They want to make this amount of money. They want to make that thing. I think it's the two need to be there. And I think honestly, the rest of it comes. The rest of it is a lot clearer when your passion meets your purpose and things grow from that. Those are the roots. Those are the foundations. So for me to be successful, I feel that I'm successful because I'm being authentic. I'm living to my true self. I'm living to what I believe in. That's my passion. And I found my purpose. And so the two are working together. So that's what I define as success. Yeah. Would you rather be loved or respected? Ooh, this is a good one. Oh, I would rather be like loved by whom? Like by the masses or by in general? Let's go in general consensus. We're not going to go family because obviously that would most, mostly be loved, but by yes. in general, by your how you're looked at as a person. Respected. Respected. That's so mm, yeah. What's your top three favorite books? Oh my goodness. Oh, these are really hard ones. Um, oh my goodness, these are really hard. Pfizer. Oh my goodness, these are really hard ones. I don't even know if I have, I don't think I can give you a top three. Um, you got a favorite? Yeah, uh, oh, I really love one. It's um, for, like Water for Chocolate. I don't know if you know this one. Uh -huh. I love, um, it's a fic fictional. This is not a nonfiction. Uh -huh. I like uh, Love in the Time of Cholera. I really love as a book. Uh -huh. uh, you know, I love The Great Gatsby. I love Grapes. I'm, a tr I'm an old kind of school. I'm an old school uh, uh, book person. I'm not a like contemporary kind of, I read the, I read the classics. Okay. You know, I don't know. I, I like those kind of books. Those are, there's so many different books. There's so many. Oh my gosh, we could be here all day. I could be here all day. I don't think I can give you a favorite, to be honest. Huh. And what's your favorite hobby? Ooh, this is also a really hard one. I love to cook. Really? Yeah. Okay. I love to cook. What's your like a dish? What's your favorite dish to make for family? Uh, spaghetti alla bongole. Okay. Yeah. I heard spaghetti. For, I my, husband, for my husband. Yeah, <laughs> it's know. clam. It's clam pasta. Uh -huh. Yeah, spaghetti. Spaghetti alla vongole. It's a vongole in Italian is clams. He loves this clam pasta that I made. Uh -huh. And my daughter also, which is amazing because she's four. And yeah. she like, I got, you know, four-year-olds, they see like anything that doesn't look like chicken nuggets or whatever. And they're like running, right? So uh -huh. I, when she, she was like, no, I love this. I was like, mm. okay. <laughs> And that's good. That makes me really happy as a, as a mom and as a wife. It makes me really happy to like be able to feed my family. And I, and I enjoy it. And it's something my daughter and I did do together. My, my mother and I always did together as well. So I, it's really important to me cooking. All right. Two more questions. Um, oh, I forgot it. Where was it? Where is it? Search my brain. Um, oh, if you lost everything and had to rebuild your brand, what are the first three steps you would take? I get myself in the right mindset. Mindset. I'd accept the fact that I lost everything in that mindset. I'd be like, okay, this is just what it is. I'm not going to sit here and cry about the fact that it happened because it happened. So mm -hmm. let me just, I have no chance. I, there's no other option besides up. Yeah. Um, I would rally a good support system around me to mm -hmm. help me out to try to make sure I stay in that mindset also because I know myself. And I can, I could see myself like, you know, slipping back into the, okay, I'm going to like, 
you know, you have to mourn over things. You have yeah. to grieve. You need to give loss. But after, but there's a there's a not a limit. There's a part in which you need to start taking some steps forward. So I'd want to get a good support system. And then I would just I would probably turn back on everything that I knew and start over outlining and be like, okay, what can I do now? Like this that didn't work out, that failed or that exploded. Who knows what happened exactly with it? So what can I do? What can I learn from this? And what am I going to do bringing forward? And what will I bring forward from it? Awesome. Awesome. And is there anything I should have asked? Oh, is there anything you should have asked? Hmm. No, I think, uh, I think you, I think you covered a lot of it. I would just say, um, I would just say, no, I think you actually covered all of it. We covered every single subject, I think, t- topic-wise from etiquette. I would say from etiquette, the my my biggest thing is like if a question is how do you like how do you react to difficult situations? That would that's a good one. So, how do you react to like stressful you know, maybe aggressive situations. Uh-huh. And my there's a many different ways to do this. But my one tip that I would like to give everyone is that you want to figure out what is the objective you're trying to achieve in this interaction? What is the objective? Because when you look at something and you know somebody's really worked up or really angry or aggressive or whatever it is, and you're trying to get to point B, point A is not going so well right now. How are you going to get there? Yeah, you may want to emotively respond. You may want to argue back. You may want to be whatever, but you have to, you need to be quick and you need to think about like, how, how can I not make this person calm down because I need to be the better person, but like, how can I, how can I achieve my goal here? Considering the the variables I'm dealing with, which is somebody's really angry or aggressive or whatever it is, I need to achieve my goal. So how can I be tactful about this? I think that, and that's a mindset thing. So that's, that's the one thing I think, because I get that question a lot about aggressive behavior or people being really rude to my face and like, how do you respond to it? And it's like, okay, well, assess intent and assess objective. Those are the two things I always say before you even respond and then try not to respond emotionally if you can. So always my uh, getting response. mad and trying to fight them is not <laughs> the best thing to do, huh? <laughs> no, not no, no. It's not. I mean, there are going to be situations where maybe that would be uh-huh. unavoidable. It's unavoidable. I mean, human beings, right? So it's yeah. it's unavoidable. But in general, I would say it's and it's not. It's not you again. It's taking the high road, but it's again. You want to be effective. This is the whole point. You want to have an effective outcome. You want the outcome to be in your favor effectively, or as much as it possibly can be with the variables that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So that being said, like always assume, always assess, not assume intent, assess yeah. it. And then objective state, figure out what your objective is and then go that way to make sure you get to get, try to get to as close as the objective as you can mm-hmm. with what you're dealing with. So what stood out to me, as you said, effective, and the mm-hmm. book that changed my life was Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And yes, that's a great habit is exactly yeah. what you said. Start with the end in mind. What is the objective? What is the desired outcome? And literally that thought changes my whole life because then you just know exactly what you need to do next. You know, if the out. Yeah, exactly. Take that moment of uh, mindfulness and Okay, what do I want out of this? And that helps so much, especially in a relationship, because when you ask that question, your anger goes away because what you want out of it is love with this person, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So thank you so much for coming on. Please take this time to plug everything. 
I have your Instagram right below. You plug that website, your courses, and um, where they can find you. Yes. Okay. So thank you everyone for watching today. This was an amazing mm -hmm. experience. So I have an Instagram account. It's called at the elegance advisor. So please check it out. Please join our community. We're a wonderful community. We have a lot of, we have a lot of female empowerment on that page, but men are always welcome as always. And also if you want to check out my website, it's www.theelegantsadvisor.com. And I will be offering courses. Zoom, I do Zoom courses starting in November. I'm offering them for effective communications, for kids, for business people, for social etiquette. I'm offering for a strength and femininity course. So please check them out. You'll be able to find all that information on my page. And if you have any questions, you can always email me at taylor at theelegantsadvisor.com. Mm -hmm. Or you can send me a DM on Instagram. That's also really quick. And I'm pretty responsive in my DMs. I get back to you within a day, maybe two days max. Okay? So it's... Thank you for joining us today. It was great that you were here with us. Thank you so much for joining us. And I want you guys to understand the importance of what she does, how to connect with people, how to open up doors. Uh, the one thing I teach people and my athletes all the time, and it, do is, it doesn't matter how good you are. I had a big actor that all of you guys know that I can't say who I worked with, but he couldn't get opportunities in acting gigs. And he is a great actor, one of the best out there. And you can't get the opportunity until you learn how to connect with people. So what she does opens up the opportunities that you want. You can't get on the court. You can't get that job you want. Whatever those are, what she does opens doors because she teaches you how to connect and build rapport with people. Thank you guys so much for joining this show. Thank you, Taylor. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed making it for you. Till next time, peace. You ready? Welcome to the Success Code, where Roy Red provides interviews, discussions, strategies, and talks to help broaden your perspective on your road to cracking the Success Code. Success Code.